Welcome to the Capital News. I'm your host, Alex Kratis. Today is Sunday, February 20th, 2022. Thank you so much for joining me. The title of today's podcast, The Fed's Trapped, Here's Why. Now, yesterday I put out a podcast, the first podcast, and what has been well since uh, about, I think, September. So I've been away. I'm back. I hope to put more podcasts out frequently. At least that is my goal. I uh, very much miss doing them. But yesterday's podcast, Inflation Nation, was really just getting back into the swing of things. The discussion was really high level, simply talking about what has transpired over the past several months since I've been away, uh, looking at some of the hard data, the inflation figure, CPI at 7.5%, producer price index at 9.7%, talking about import prices year over year up 10.8%, and then looking at export prices being up 15.1% year over year in January. And I said, if you look at shadowstats.com where an economist calculates various economic data the way the government used to calculate those figures back in different periods, I said, what's really more realistic is looking at those export prices because that's in tune with what Shadowstats calculates the inflation rate to be as well if calculating inflation the way that the government used to calculate inflation back in the 1980s, it would be over 15%. If you calculated inflation the way the government used to calculate it in the 1990s, it would be north of 10%. So looking at import prices and export prices is much more indicative, much more realistic number of what the actual inflation figures are. And of course, this didn't come out of nowhere. This did not come from all supply chain disruptions. This is not all COVID-19 induced from the standpoint of those supply chain disruptions. Do supply chain disruptions exist? Yes, of course they do. But that's not the cause of this inflation that we are dealing with. It exacerbates it. It makes it worse, no question. But it's not the cause of it. The cause of it is the printing press. The cause of it is the monetary in fiscal quote-unquote stimulus that our government and other governments the world over threw into the system. And they did this because, well, one, they think perhaps these are the only tools that they have at their disposal. Two, they don't want to take any type of accountability for not doing anything, although there were other things that they could have done, but they chose not to do them. Or this is all part of a bigger plan where they simply wanted to flood the market in the system, with all of this liquidity, and of course, we know who gets the liquidity first, and then they go up and they purchase as many hard physical assets as they possibly can. And that's why you have massive wealth inequality that took place over these past few years since the onset of COVID-19, which one would think just simply wouldn't have happened, that there would be a closing of the wealth inequality gap, but no, it has gotten further and is one of the worst in human history. People deemed essential versus non-essential, businesses deemed essential versus non-essential. You get the story, you get the picture. This is why you continue to see people protesting, trucker convoys, farmer protests, etc., etc., and this will continue until we get back to some semblance of normalcy. And that's going to be a while. So the main topic of today's discussion is the Fed is trapped, and here's why. 
So looking at the Federal Reserve's balance sheet, because it's one thing to pay attention to what they say, to what they tell us, but it's more important to look at what they're actually doing. Now, the Fed, for many years, especially since the onset of the Great Recession, the subprime crisis, the Fed has been openly beholden to the stock market. They don't want to see the stock market decline considerably. But really beyond that, they are beholden to the credit markets. Sure, the stock market gets all the notoriety, it gets all of the publicity. But the stock market, for better or worse, is really just a derivative or a function of the credit markets because that's what this entire economy is built upon. It's built upon credit. It's built upon, right now, easy money. And when that easy money is taken away, well, you see how quickly things can fall apart. Now, this experiment of quantitative easing that came to us following the subprime crisis, we were told then that this was just going to be transitory. This was just going to be a temporary fix. We're throwing all the stops at the markets to, to instill some form of confidence, to put a floor under this economic and market collapse. And, it, and from that standpoint, it worked. It created a floor. People said, okay, here's the government, here's the Federal Reserve, here's other central banks. They got their act together. They're not going to let this thing go down anymore, so they're not going to let it happen, so we're not going to fight it anymore. Don't fight the Fed mentality, okay? That was supposed to be pulled away, but it never was. And in fact, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. You had QE1. You had quantitative easing too. You had what they termed Operation Twist. Then you had QE3. Then they tried to they stabilize their balance sheet at about $3.7 trillion for several years, really under the guidance of our dingbat Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, who was then the chairman of the Federal Reserve. And then, of course, Jay Powell, the current Fed chairman, he came in and saw a little bit more of the roll-off and actually saw the Federal Reserve's balance sheet decline. During that decline, during their attempt, after nearly a decade of getting back to quote-unquote normal at the Fed's balance sheet, okay, recall, before the great financial crisis, the Fed's balance sheet was sub a trillion. It was about $800, $900 billion, okay? They jacked it up, again, taking it up to $3.7 trillion stabilizing there. Then Jay Powell comes in. They say, okay, enough's enough. Let's start to roll this thing back. Well, we saw what happened in the fourth quarter of 2018. Markets couldn't handle it. They sold off. Technically went into a bear market in the fourth quarter alone, a sell-off of 20% because the liquidity wasn't flowing like it used to. The 10-year Treasury note yielded about 3%. The Fed funds rate was a little north of 2%. And the markets buckled. This is the fourth quarter of 2018, when we were told by then-President Donald Trump that it was the greatest economy on the face of the earth, which, of course, it was not. And subsequently has gotten weaker and weaker. Well, due to the fact that the market sold off, Jay Powell did a pivot. He said, okay, 
No more increasing of the federal funds rate. No more roll-off of the Fed's balance sheet. Why? Because they're beholden to the stock market, they're beholden to the credit markets, and they know how fragile the system is. This is why they are trapped. Because the inflation genie is out of the bottle, yet what can they do about it? Inflation, as they report, is at 7.5%. We know it's double that in reality. But let's assume that the 7.5% is correct. In order for the Fed to truly combat inflation in a meaningful and impactful way, they would have to increase interest rates to at least 7.5%. At least. And in reality, they most likely have to exceed it to get inflation under control. They will not do this. Why? Because it will collapse the credit markets and it will collapse the stock market period, end of story, and with it, the real economy. Because our economy has been so financialized over the past 30 years, almost 40 years really, because this all started under uh, Chairman Alan Greenspan, and this has just been a continuation. And of course, this is one of the most ironic things ever, because supposedly Alan Greenspan was supposed to be this huge proponent of free market capitalism and a disciple of Ayn Rand. Yet this is the guy who has financialized or started the financialization of basically the entire U.S. economy. Thinking that it's perfectly okay for the Federal Reserve, a central authority, to come in and pull the levers of the economy, which he says is supposed to be free market. But I digress. But this has been the continuation of all of these shenanigans and these games that they think that they know best, and they think all that they have to do is tweak rates, put out messages, guide the market in a certain direction, and everything will be A-OK. Well, it's not A-OK, and they've trapped themselves. So there's no way the Fed's going to increase interest rates in a meaningful way to combat inflation. Secondly, again, not just listening to what they say, but what they do. And I mentioned this yesterday on yesterday's podcast, too. The Federal Reserve's balance sheet increased last week by $33 billion. So they can say all they want that, oh, yeah, we're going to combat inflation. We're going to start doing it. We're going to start rolling off the balance sheet, blah, blah, blah. They're not. They just increased it by another $33 billion, taking the Fed's balance sheet to a new record all-time high at $8.911 trillion. Again, before the great financial crisis, it was $800-900 billion. So they've increased it by a factor of 10 in just a little over a decade. And in the process, they have made the economy that much weaker. They have created, they are the cause of this massive wealth inequality, which if anybody who's been paying attention to this podcast knows that wealth inequality leads to political instability. That's where we are. That's where we are globally, and it's only going to get worse from here. You have to understand the interconnectedness of all of these variables. Now, the other thing that's hitting an all-time high, no surprise, is our national debt. Another reason why the Fed is trapped. Because our government and the Federal Reserve have a very nice, cozy relationship with each other. 
They facilitate each other, for the most part, as to what they want. That's not how it's supposed to work, by the way. Congress is supposed to be a check on the Federal Reserve, and the Federal Reserve is supposed to be a check on the Congress. But of course, there really is no checks and balances when it comes to the Federal Reserve, which is why it's unconstitutional, which is why it needs to be abolished. Because whatever decision that the Federal Reserve makes, that's what they make. That's what they do. Nobody stops them. Nobody tells them they can't do this or that. And once it's done, it's done. Now, on the other side, when Congress gets out of control, which is almost all the time in this banana republic, the Fed is supposed to go to Congress and say, you guys have to stop doing this. You're spending like drunken sailors. You cannot do this. This is not good for the overall economy. It's not good for the markets. It's not good for the credit rating of the United States. It's not good for current and future generations of this country. And we, the Federal Reserve, we are not going to finance this reckless spending. This is a huge economy. There's a lot of innovative, really a lot of smart and talented people in the United States of America. Surely we can find the money and solutions elsewhere within the system. We don't have to continue to spend, borrow, and beg for more. But the Fed never says that. Sure, they might come out every once in a while and say the debt's out of control. Uh, it's got to be dealt with in the future, but they never deal with it. Greenspan said it. Bernanke said it. Yellen said it. Jay Powell said it. But what do they do about it? Nothing. Don't believe these people. And of course, they're not elected. They're appointed. Hmm. So with the fact that we have a growing national debt is another reason that the Fed is trapped. Because the government has to borrow money. And if we allow interest rates to go higher, that means our borrowing costs have increased. That means a larger proportion of our tax receipts are going to go to service just the interest on the national debt, which right now is over $400 billion. But if you see interest rates go back to where they should be, and if they were really going to combat inflation, well, you can see how quickly our debt payments, just the interest, would rise exponentially. And would be another would be one of the largest expenditures of the U.S. government, because the largest expenditures of the U.S. government are, of course, our social programs. So you got Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, and then our defense spending. So it would be up there with those ranks. This is why the Fed is not going to increase interest rates in a meaningful way, because Uncle Sam will go bust. It's already broke, but that'll be it. Plus, if interest rates go up, it's not just Uncle Sam that's going to have a problem. It's going to be the private sector that has a problem. We still have about 20% of companies in this country classified as zombies. Meaning they don't make enough money to service their debt. They're zombies. This is the economy of the living dead. It's been this way for years. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. Why? Again, because the Fed is beholden to the credit markets and the stock market, and they don't want to see any significant decrease. Even though if you look under the hood 
at the stock market, individual stocks, especially these high flyers, the SPACs, uh, these zombie companies, they're collapsing. 30, 40, 50. Some of these stocks have been down 70, 80% from their all-time highs. Yet this doesn't get a lot of media attention. Why? Because the overall indexes are still near all-time highs. And these indexes are simply being driven by a smaller and smaller number of stocks. It's still those same FANG stocks, still a handful of stocks that are keeping the indexes up. This does not bode well, historically speaking, when you see this type of massive concentration in only a handful of stocks. just doesn't work out. Got to look under the hood, got to pay attention. So then you got to start looking at the credit markets. You got to start looking at junk bond spreads. You got to start looking at other credit spreads across the curve. When this starts to blow out, when you start to see these spreads increasing, look out below. We're not there yet because the Fed is still, is still throwing liquidity into the market. That's the game. But when they start to blow out, and they will, because markets always come back to reality, economic gravity always wins out, no matter what we throw at it in an artificial manner. That will bring the whole house of cards down. And that's what's needed. There is no easy way out of this, period, end of story. The Fed has not only trapped themselves, they've trapped all of us with them. That's the problem. And there's other central banks who have done the same thing. The ECB, Christine Lagarde, the president of the ECB, she doesn't even come out and really and pretend anymore. So at least you got to give her credit for that. Nope, we're not increasing interest rates. We're not stopping the printing press. We're just not going to stop. And they're not because they can't. Because if they stop, you, you thought you had a problem about a decade ago with with Greece and Ireland and Italy? No, they're actually going to blow up this time, economically speaking. Be gone. Be gone, because they will not be able to service their debts. They can't do it now. They're not going to be able to do it with higher interest rates. Same thing here in the United States with Uncle Sam and all of these indebted companies. Now, was this poor decision-making by a lot of these companies? Yes. And no. No, because hey, they're just responding to what the market is giving them. They're just responding to what the Federal Reserve is giving them. And of course, the commercial banking system as a result, because that's really how the money supply expands. It's mo mainly through the commercial banking system. But of course, the Fed plays an integral role in this as well. It, you really can't decouple the two. So, what's the Fed going to do? Well, here's what I think is going to happen. One, inflation is going to remain out of control and out of their control for quite a while. I think the remainder of this decade is going to be inflationary. I think you're going to see a massive commodity in precious metals and industrial metals bull market. And there's nothing that the Fed or any other central bank is really going to be able to do about it. They're not going to stop it. Even if they were to get serious and attempt to increase interest rates, well, then you're going to have an, an, you're going to have a recession. 
which we're basically in now. I don't, I argue we never got out of the last one to begin with. And so the Fed's going to have to say, all right, well, we're not going to increase rates because we're going to blow up the credit markets, we're going to blow up the stock market, Uncle Sam's not going to be able to pay this off. If they did, in recession, and what's actually going to happen even if you brought us into recession, that doesn't necessarily mean that inflation is going to be fixed. Now, that's what they did back in the 80s with Paul Volcker, as I mentioned yesterday. But we didn't have as much debt as we did back then either. The economy was not as fragile in 1980 as it is today. So while there's the theory, while there's the historical precedent that says, yeah, okay, if we increase interest rates to combat inflation and we cause a recession, that will bring down the inflation. Well, maybe it'll bring it down, but I don't know if it'll get rid of it. And the reason I'm not so certain is because what happens in a recession? People lose their jobs, businesses shut down. So what am I getting at here is further supply chain disruptions, even internally, because you don't have production. And of course, if we go into recession, the rest of the world's going to go into recession too. So it'll be the same thing. And again, I always like to point out and make the point, when I am talking about inflation, I am really talking about the goods and services that people need. Not the crap that people want, the nice little pleasantries and luxuries, the electronic gizmos and gadgets that people want that might make their lives easier or that they think it makes them their lives easier. I'm not worried about that crap. I'm worried about the goods and services that you need. I'm worried about your housing, your transportation, your utilities, your medical expenses, those types of things is what I'm most concerned about. Why? Because that's what it takes to live, and that's how you paint the picture and connect the dots with how those price increases are going to continue to fuel political instability. And then in turn will cause further economic instability. People will strike. They will protest. They'll stop working. So you, so you cease to have production. Again, causing further supply chain disruptions, which will continue to exacerbate these inflationary pressures. These inflationary pressures are already in the system via the printing press. But it's a valve. This can be, you can alleviate it, you can make it worse. Everything that's being done is making it worse. So you cannot take the Fed seriously. They say they want to roll off their balance sheet at $15 billion a month, starting in a couple months or this, that, or the other. Well, it's going to take two months to unwind what they just did last week. Not to be taken seriously at all. Inflation was transitory. No, it isn't. It's here to stay. I think it's going to be here with us for the next decade because they're not going to combat it. They're just not. We're likely going to end up in a recessionary uh, or, or even a depression with inflation. It's okay, so you want to call that stagflation? That's where we are. It's what I've been harping on for several months, over a year probably. That's exactly where we are, and it's exactly where we continue to head. Now, doing a little bit of a further breakdown of the Fed's balance sheet. Okay, so it's basically broken down between Uncle Sam's debt, U.S. Treasuries across the curve, 
in mortgage-backed securities. Well, looking at Uncle Sam's debt, U.S. Treasuries that are, that are owned by the Federal Reserve also stands at a record high of $5.7 trillion. $5.7 trillion. Before the great financial crisis, it was, again, below a trillion because that was basically all that they owned. They weren't involved with mortgage-backed securities. They got involved with mortgage-backed securities following the subprime crisis. And they've put the pedal to the metal ever since. $5.7 trillion is what the Federal Reserve owns U.S. Treasuries. Call it $6 trillion. That's a fifth, 20% of our national debt is owned by the Federal Reserve. Remember the Great Reset? Remember that? The World Economic Forum, the Davos Group, all those people? You will own nothing and you will like it. Looks like central banks are buying everything up, aren't they? They have a printing press, they can counterfeit money, and they can go out and they can buy physical assets. They can go out and buy other assets, paper assets that have meaning. See how this works? You can't do this. They'll lock you up and throw away the key. But they can go out there, print money, use it themselves, give it to their friends. They can go out and buy real assets. They can buy businesses. They can buy real estate. They can buy farmland. They can buy plants and equipment. The whole shebang. Meanwhile, wealth inequality continues to get worse and worse. Is it any surprise? This is the cause of it. So $5.7 trillion. Looking at mortgage-backed securities, again, the Fed didn't start owning these until quantitative easing won back during the great financial crisis. Before COVID, we're about $1.3 trillion in mortgage-backed securities. It's now at 2.7. So they've basically doubled their holdings of mortgage-backed securities just since the onset of COVID-19. So congratulations to all of those people out there, millions of Americans... And this is something that's impacting people globally, too, but obviously I'm just focusing on the United States here. Congratulations to all of those new home buyers or would-be home buyers. Yeah, you might have gotten an extremely low mortgage rate, but guess what? Your prices were through the roof because that's the deal that you made. That's the deal with the devil. There is no free lunch. You understand? People say, oh, well, interest rates got to go low because, you know, people got to be able to borrow. They got to be able to afford the payment. What's the price of the asset? That's the other side of the coin. You want to have low interest rates, guess what's going to happen to the price of the asset? It's going to appreciate. It's going to increase. And I can guarantee you that the, and this is what we've seen, that the price of the asset is going to appreciate faster than the lowering of the mortgage rate or whatever your borrowing costs are. So you're not coming out ahead. You get it? I can, I can guarantee you, if people understood what I'm talking about here, they would rather have <clears throat> a higher interest rate but a lower overall price for the house. Now, right now, right now we're sort of in uh, an economic purgatory, if you will. We're kind of just in limbo. We're kind of just hanging out right now as talk of rate increases is sort of having its own impact of actually pushing up mortgage rates ever so slightly but off their all-time lows. Yet still, you continue to see housing prices plateauing and even increasing, of course, location, location, location. 
But overall, prices are still at all-time highs. This is not a good recipe because now, now, at least before, okay, you made the deal with the devil. I got a low rate in the housing price. Okay, well, it's not quite up that high. I'm, I'm locking it in. I can afford that payment. We're okay. Now you got higher rates and you still have prices going up. Now you're screwed on both sides of the equation. So some people are going to rush and say, okay, we got to lock it in now. We just got to take what we can get or we're not going to have a house. We're going to have to continue to rent. And of course, your rent is probably up 10, 20, 30% depending on where you are. And that's not an exaggeration. Rents are through the roof. Especially in some of these larger metropolitan areas. Miami, Phoenix, LA, you name it. And this has been the trend. So, congratulations to all of you out there. You can thank the Federal Reserve for this. They had no business coming in here and doubling their holdings of mortgage-backed securities. But they did. Why? No checks and balances. This is what they decided. That's what they're going to do. Nobody's going to stop them. Most of this money is being managed by BlackRock, one of the largest money managers on the planet. Who's been buying up a lot of these properties? BlackRock. Again, you will own nothing and you will like it. Now, you can call me a conspiracy theorist, but you're just lying to yourself because they've admitted this. This has been on the mainstream media. They go out and they promote this. This is on their website. This is their literature. This is their marketing material. You will own nothing and you will like it. And then you look to see, my God, who are they having meetings with? It's not with you. It's not with your uncle. It's not with your grandmother. It's with central bankers. It's with prominent politicians. It's with the world's biggest money managers. It's not with you. And then you see, oh, well, this is what they said. These are the people they have conversations with. And then this is what's being done. Oh, but no, the government cares about me. They wouldn't lie to me. They wouldn't do any harm to me. No, $30 trillion later, weapons of mass destruction don't exist. Yeah, let's just keep trusting these people that don't give a damn about you. Stop voting for them. Stop believing them. They've trapped themselves and they've trapped you in it. At least they have some assets. At least they probably have escape bunkers. At least they have a printing press to bail themselves out. You don't. You don't. You understand this? Yeah, they're trapped, but they trapped us with them. They can get out. Most people will not get out of this. So that's looking at what the Fed is holding. Okay. Now, again, I spoke earlier about where the Fed funds rate was a few years ago in 2018, where the 10-year Treasury note was yielding, and how that threw the market into a tizzy, because it cannot take it. All right? So we are even more fragile now than we were then. So if the market could not take a 10-year yielding 3%, a Fed funds rate a little over 2%, how the hell is the Fed going to make the argument, which they're making now, that they'll increase interest rates by 25 basis points here or there throughout the remainder of the year to get up to, uh, you know, one and a half, two percent. Two percent cracked the market back then. Didn't even have the level of debt that we have now. The fragility is a magnitude worse now than it was then. I mean... 
it's not going to take that much to prick this bubble. And it's going to basically impact everything. They understand this. And we know they understand this because they tried to drain some, some liquidity a handful years ago, trying to get back to normal. Now, I don't know what normal was in their mind. If they thought going back to a balance sheet of $1 trillion was normal to them, it was to Bernanke, but that was a decade ago. And he's a piece of garbage, like most of them. They saw what it did, couldn't handle it. They pivoted. So they really think they're going to try to escape this after they just threw another $5 trillion into the system over the past couple of years? They really think they're going to get away with this? And then, of course, what will happen? Well, you'll have the massive sell-off. You'll have the massive price decreases in all of these assets. Sure, technically speaking, you might have the wealth gap come down. But then guess what? Who gets to get bailed out? That's right, the same parties who always get bailed out. And now they'll have the printing press turned on, full bore once again, giving it to themselves and their buddies. And this time they'll go out and they'll buy more assets for pennies on the dollar. And then you'll really own nothing. But I don't think you're going to like it. This is the game that is being played. It's before our very eyes. So I hope you're understanding, and this is going to be a very long-standing conversation that I will continue to have with this audience as to why the Fed is trapped. They increase interest rates, they bring the markets down, and they increase the borrowing costs for Uncle Sam and the private sector. They can't tolerate it. That's why they've been throwing more liquidity into the system. They understand this. So what are they going to do? They're going to collapse the markets? They might if they want to buy everything back up on pennies for the dollar. That might be their game plan. I don't know. I don't know. Or are they just going to keep interest rates low for as long as they can until we hit a point of system exhaustion? And then it would be the same result. But by then, inflation would probably be, I mean, even more out of control making it even harder for them to actually do something about it. This is a Greek tragedy at the end of the day, because this is all of our own doing. It's our doing as citizens for not being responsible enough and paying attention to the real powers behind the throne when it comes to money and monetary policy, not holding our politicians to account because we're, we're too easily distracted. As the Romans said, give them bread and circus. That's exactly what they continue to do to us today. Give them Super Bowl Sunday, a halftime show. Give them chicken wings. Give them Uber Eats so they don't even have to go out. Have it delivered. And they'll never ask questions. And, they, and we don't. People, this, we do not ask questions. People don't even know what the Federal Reserve is. What they do. Who's in charge of it? Why is it here? People can't tell you who the President of the United States is. Yeah, I know. I don't want to tell you who he is either. Demented idiot. But there he is. Freedom is a very fragile thing. We were told this by our founders. Freedom belongs to a moral and ethical people. What we have done to current and future generations is not moral. It's not ethical. It's a crime. It's a sin. 
We've stolen their prosperity. Of course, there are going to be people who succeed. That's always going to be the case. But as a whole, we have made it much more difficult than what it needs to be for so many people who have had nothing to do with this because they're too young. They weren't even in existence to have a say, to have a voice, to have a vote in what's been done to them and what's going to happen to their future. You got to wake up. You have to stop, stop, stop voting for Democrats and Republicans. They have destroyed this country. I have nothing but evidence. Sure, you don't like free health care. Sure, you don't like some of the statements that are made by Republicans, blah, blah, blah. You're on one side, you're on the other. I don't like that guy. I'm going to vote for the other one. That action being done on repeat over and over and over again has led us to where we are today. This can stop, but you have to stop doing what you've been doing. You understand? Because it ain't working. Find independent candidates, find libertarian candidates, people who just say, you know what? Live your life the way you want to live your life as long as you are not doing harm to somebody else. And round and round we go. That's what this country is all about. It's not about me or anybody else having a 25-point plan to save the country. And if we just did X, Y, Z... And if we just had the right people in, everything would be fine. That's not how it's work, how it's supposed to work. Freedom is supposed to be an easy concept to understand. You may not like what I believe in, you may not like how I live my life, but it's none of your business. Stay away. Don't come to my barbecues. Don't come to the concerts I go to. Don't don't read the books that I read. Don't worry about me. Worry about yourself, and round and round we go. Maybe we'll, we'll cross paths. Maybe we'll become good friends. Fantastic. Maybe we don't. Fantastic. Stop worrying about it. We got all of these little mini dictators all over the place trying to pretend that they know what's best for everybody and that they want to pass laws to force you to live how they think they should, how you should. It's not how it works. On both sides, Republicans shouldn't be mandating how we live Democrats shouldn't be mandating how we live. Democrats, Republicans, and everybody else for that matter has every right to free speech and to get up and say, well, I think you should live your life this way. This is how I live my life. I'm healthy. I have a good social life. I have money. I got a nice career, blah, 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 blah. And this is what I have done to accomplish those things. Fantastic. Good for you. Don't mandate those things on everybody else. State your case. If it's compelling, then people will do it. If it isn't, then they won't. Don't worry about it. Take care of yourself. I don't know what's so hard to grasp about all of this, but apparently it is extremely difficult for the human mind to grasp, especially liberals, because they just want to be in everybody's business. And all you got to do is look north to Canada and see what that spineless, sniveling weasel Justin Trudeau is doing to his countrymen. A man who earned or, or received, I should say, what, 20% of the votes? 20%. That's all it took. He's there. Now you're under a dictatorship. In Canada, again, I stressed this yesterday. I stressed this again today. And I will continue to stress it. 
This is in Canada. What is going on up there is appalling. But this is what happens when everybody's trapped. Stay diversified, stay vigilant, and stay with the Capital News. I am Alex Caritas. Godspeed.